I'm certainly glad Pastor Brad has given us permission to use his time this morning, huh? <laughs> so just buckle in. We'll be here for a while, maybe, huh? Isn't it great to worship the Lord today on a beautiful Sunday like this, to be able to come and enjoy the good music? I really do appreciate our, our worship team this morning that's helped us come right into the very presence of God. And I hope your heart has been touched as mine has as we worship God today. If I were to come to ask you this morning, just walk up to you and say, who are you? How would you answer? Who are you? If you'd come up and ask me, you know, I, I might say, well, I'm a retired Nazarene pastor. I've been retired now for a little over 10 years. I pastored last at uh, Mount Vernon First Church for 22 years and, and uh, enjoyed being a Nazarene pastor and enjoy. Uh, doing the work that I'm doing since I uh, retired. I, I might tell you that I uh, have been married to the same woman all of my life, it seems like. <laughs> if, if she doesn't shoot me between now and August, we will have been married 55 years. I, uh, I, I would tell you that I have uh, two, two children that are the delight of my heart and the drain on my bank account. That's what they've been. <laughs> I, I might tell you that, um, that, I, uh, that I like to like to golf. I'm a hacker, a real hacker. Now, I don't pray on the golf course, but I sure do pray when I come off the golf course. I need all God to forgive me for all kinds of things there. I, you know, I might tell you a lot of things about myself, but I would not be telling you who I am. There's a lot of difference in telling one you know, about yourself, but of really telling me who you are. Way down deep, on the inside, what are you? Who are you this morning? Well, Jesus had a way of telling us who we are. Matthew chapter 5, let's read what Jesus said about us, for he tells us who we are. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. I ask you to stand again, please, with me as we look at God's Word. <clears throat> and here's what Jesus says when he looks at his disciples. And when he looks at us, this is what he says. You are salt of the earth. But if the salt does lose its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are... The light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Jesus tells us who we are. Thank you, and please be seated. Uh, one of the things that I got regularly when I was fully pastoring or I got, by the way, the phone calls or sometimes by email was a request for references. Now, people wanted to know about someone. They wanted to know something about his or her qualifications, maybe for a college application or a job application or a volunteer. And sometimes when I was looking for staff, particularly in my last few years, I would compile a list of names people that I might know or people whose names have been given to me by somebody else. And we wanted to know about those people, who they were, what they were, 
what their qualifications were. Would, would they fit certain requirements? Would they be good candidates? And so I would get a list of names, and I would uh, go around, and I would uh, look for some references, and I, I would shop that name around to some people that I know, and I would get them, and I would say to them, well, what do you think about this particular person? And somebody might say to me, well, Mike, you know, she just lights up a room. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, when she walks into a room, it just seems like it lights it up. Well, I guess there's nothing like explaining something by saying it twice. Now, some, some names I would scratch through, and they would say, you know, well, he's a good worker, but he has the personality of a cactus, you know? I'd scratch that name off the list. Mike, you don't want that guy. He's 18 miles of bad road. Well, off the list he would go. Then I would get some good ones, you know, like uh, he works hard, he's not a chief, but he's a really good Indian, he's a real keeper. I, I remember one time sitting at a funeral, and I was sitting at a table at a dinner following that, ta uh, that funeral with two district superintendents. And in the course of our conversation, the conversation moved around to some pastors, and the name of a certain pastor who was known to several of us came up, and one of those district superintendents said about that pastor, you know, that guy is a real keeper. References like, no start, you know, no finish to her. All start, no finish. Now, when I say things like that this morning, when I talk about various characteristics of people, I imagine that some people have already come into your minds this morning because some of those people's description fit, you know, just them to a T. Then I thought this week about how Jesus Christ sometimes talks about people. With images like that or with figures of speech, sometimes with some very, very strong language he did. He talked about some people who were wolves in sheep's clothing. Some people who, were, who strained at gnats and swallowed camels. Some people who were all vine and no grapes. Once, you know, he called Simon Peter a rock. What, what a great image. And I think he had very great and vivid imagery and language when he used to describe people. And in fact, it was Jesus Christ who introduced us to the expression, salt of the earth. Do you know anybody this morning who, who, uh, who is salt? You would say about them they're salt of the earth? Oh, what kind of person is he or is she? Well, what comes to my, my mind today is, you know, hard worker, somebody who's honest, somebody who's dependable. If they say they're going to be there, you can count on it, they're going to be there. They have integrity, they will do their part, and they're respected by their family and their colleagues. They're salt of the earth. No fluff, no pretense, no putting on airs. They're, they're salt of the earth. Now, what bothers me just a bit is that I really don't know what Jesus and his disciples really had in mind when he said that. Exactly what, what did they think when he said, you, you, you and I are salt of the earth. Let's look at that for a moment. 
You and I are salt of the earth. I thought about the ways the Bible uses the word salt and how it's used. Sometimes it's used to bring out the best qualities, like seasoning is when it flavors things. I remember my, my dad had a heart attack when he was 38 years old. Now, among the other things the doctors did way back in those days was they placed my father on a salt-free diet. And my mother began to cook everything that we ate without salt. Think about that. I learned very early on how much I miss salt in my food, so I learned how to salt my own food in order to bring out the flavor. And I think about our Christian life. It ought to flavor life around us. That there ought to be something about the Christian that is about our walk and experience that is absolutely radiant. In a world that is worried, Christians ought to be people who are serene. In a world that is depressed, Christians should be full of joy, I believe. There should be sheer sparkle about the Christian life that adds flavor to life because we are salt of the earth. Sometimes it's used in the sense that salt can be purifying or in ceremonies there is a covenant of the salt sealed with salt. It's used sometimes to talk about our speech that your speech and my speech ought to be gracious speech seasoned with salt. It's used in making of a sacrifice used sometimes about eating together. It's called sharing the salt. In other words, it's the equivalent of breaking bread. Sometimes it was used in talking about starting a fire. Because back in those days, those earthen ovens where the salt was used to begin the flames. So what did Jesus really mean when he said, you, you and I are salt of the earth. Now, what really strikes me today is that Jesus said, you are, you are. He did not say you should be. He did not say you could be. He did not say, now, come on, folks, let's all be salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You and I are to be a preserving, helping force in our world, not destructive, not ugly, not hurting, not cutting, but to be healing and helping people around us. We are to speak graciously to other people, seasoned with salt in our speech. Maybe, maybe that's what he meant. Or, or he could have meant, if you make a covenant with God it, it, to accept God's way in your life, then you keep it, you seal it with salt. Maybe... Maybe he meant for us to, to get some energy in our life, to get some things going, to start a fire in the world around us. Where there's just antipathy and where there's disinterested and where there's indifference, that there's, there's some life should be stirred up. That's our responsibility. I know this morning he must admit that we must be part of a community of faith. We're part of a church. And he wants us to be people who do not live by our own preferences, that, you know, I like this, but I don't like that. 
But I'm a member of a community of faith, and there will be some things that I do like and some things I don't like, but I'm a member of this community of faith, and this is my family, and this is my life, and this is my church, and so I share the salt. And I confess this morning, I really don't know, maybe he meant any of those things, maybe he meant all of those things. You are the salt of the earth. And the striking thing about this is, he says, we already are. I think sometimes we pastors have failed some people as we took you into membership into our churches when we did not take time to tell you what you already are. You see, to be a follower of Jesus Christ means you are. You are salt of the earth. And, and the Bible says you are light of the world. She lights up a room when she comes in. No, I'm really not sure what that means. Maybe it's the way that she dresses. Maybe she always wears loud clothes, colors, lots of purple and lots of reds and bright yellows. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's her big smile that she has and she just sort of lights up the room, kind of outlandish and loud and bubbling personality because she's pretty. I, I don't know. But I have the feeling this morning that Jesus had none of that in mind when he said, you light up the world. That's what you're supposed to do. I think he simply meant that when you and I are present in a room, when you and I are present out there on the job or wherever it is we find ourselves, we are to help people see things as they really are. How many parents ever had a situation where your child cried out in the night, Mommy, Daddy, something in my room's trying to get me. You know, they, they felt like something was in there. And so mother goes into the child's room, and the first thing she does is what? She turns on the light and says to that child, You see, it wasn't anybody. It wasn't anything. It's just that table over there in the corner, you know, that table that I brought in. You could put your toys on. It's just a table. And if you and I are really Christians, we are the light of the world. One of our jobs is to help people see things as they really are. See that it's really nothing but a job. It's really nothing but a house. It's really nothing but a paycheck. It's really nothing but a car that you drive. You know, it's nothing but a bunch of clothes in your closet. That's all it really is. And folks, our job in the culture is to help people see things, you know, see things so that they're not any bigger than they really are or different than they really are. And to be a Christian is to have a touch of reality because really it's only a meal. It's really only a house. It's really only a neighborhood. And I don't worship those things. Turning the light on helps us get a right perspective. And that's what Christians do in the world. So let me ask you this morning. Do you take the time or the nerve or the energy to do that? To help people around you to see that when people are moaning and groaning and complaining about this 
or that or something else. Help them get a sense of perspective. When they are so proud of this and so cocky about that, to give them a sense of perspective. Oh, you know, when we're not throwing a wet blanket on things around us of life, but we really want to just see things like they really, really are. I remember many, many years ago, Mary and I, we lived with furniture that we had bought way back when we first got married. Now, I just told you a while ago, we've been married a long time. But we bought some, some furniture when we were first married. It was really cheap. It was all that we could afford. And, you know, we had a nice living room couch that somebody had given us. But other than that, we had all that stuff we bought way back then. Our dining room set was an old press board stuff that was all falling apart. And everything we had was just about on what I call its last leg. Well, a few years ago now, we went out and we bought some furniture. We bought some new furniture for the first time. First time in about 35 or 40 years, we bought some furniture. Now, I want to tell you something. I enjoy that furniture. I'm glad that we have it. But as much as I enjoy that, every once in a while I walk into the room where, in the rooms where that furniture is, and I say, you know, I like it. But it's just stuff. It's just stuff. It's good stuff. It's nice stuff. It was needed stuff. But in the broader picture of life, it's just stuff. And the reminder that it is stuff helps keep my perspective right. My perspective right about the accumulation of things, about buying things and slaving for things, about getting a, an obsession about things, and so it doesn't get out of focus. It's just stuff. And turning on the light helps us get a right perspective. And that's what Christians do in the world. When you look at your stuff, has the light helped you just get a right perspective? But then you see, as Christians, the light helps us to see people as they really are. We're not to be judgmental. We're not to be putting people down. But we're to see that person for who she or he really is. And do you know what that is? Everybody that you and I will ever meet in this world, everybody is created in the image of God and is a person for whom Jesus Christ died. That person sitting next to you this morning is someone for whom Jesus Christ died. And if that person was the only person in the world, then that is the person for whom Jesus Christ died. And the way that I talk about you and the way that you talk about me and the way that you and I relate to each other is seasoned with salt. It is, has to be gracious speech. I know who you are. You are a child of God. And maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said you are the light of the world. But I have to tell you this morning, the frightening thing about this text is, is that you and I can lose it. You notice that we can lose it. Salt can lose its savor. 
Now, I, I try to check up on that. I don't think it's a matter of salt ceasing to be salt. What it means is, is that salt can get so mixed up with so many other things that it ceases to be salty because it has so much dirt and so much stuff in it. So how does salt lose its saltiness? It loses its saltiness by being filled up with impurities, by being filled up with foreign things that are contrary to its own nature, and it ceases to be useful. Well, you know, Pastor Mike, I I'm a member of the church, but, you know, I, I, I know I ought to be there, but. I know I should be tithing, but I know I should be doing this and I should be doing that, but, and we lose it. One of the things that hurts way down deep is to hear someone say to me, oh yeah, you know, Pastor Mike, I, I remember when they, they used to attend church regularly. Pastor, I, I remember when they used to give their time and their energy and their talents to reach people in our community. Pastor Mike, I, I remember when they used to teach Sunday school class and when they used to sing in the choir and when they used to usher, when they used to be regularly involved in the church. Pastor, I, I remember when they used to. But what happened? Well, they just got mixed up with so many other things. And when salt has lost its saltiness, it ceases to be useful. And can light lose its light? Sure, sure. Just put it under a bushel basket. Now, nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, do they? Oh, yes, they do. Now, I don't like to, con to contradict Jesus, and I don't do it very often, but I want, to I, I want to correct him on this one. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. There's no question but that there's light there, but it's not helping anybody. It's so selfish and inward and me-centered, I'm afraid it will go out if I take the bushel off. And I'm embarrassed to say anything to anybody about Jesus Christ. I'm embarrassed to say anything about the church. So I'll just keep the bushel and the hamper over the top of it. And there's no light. Do you know one of the big sicknesses of our day is, is, the, use, is, uh, is the use of the church and religion for no other purpose than just to make us feel better. A while back on television, somebody asked one of the, one of the people there why they attended a particular church, and, and the answer was, because it makes me feel better to attend there. Now, I think it's okay. I feel better myself when I go to church on, on Sunday, but that's really not the point. 
The point is to lighten up the road. Somebody out there is stumbling around, despondent and discouraged and alone, so I want to lift the switch and turn the light on. Jesus said, "You ought not that you ought or you should, but you are the light of the world. And that means you and I should be visible not just on Sunday in churches, but we should be visible as Christians in the ordinary activities of life, in what I call the ruts of the regular, that our light will shine where people can see. And our Christianity should be just as visible as the way that, in the way that we treat the clerk at the store, in the way that we order our meals in the restaurant, in the way that we treat our employees, or the way we talk about our employer. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should be as visible in the way that we uh, play basketball in the gym and the attitudes and the things we say at the ballpark. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should be visible in the way that we treat other drivers on the highway. Ooh, think about that one. And the language that we use. And the things we watch on television or our computers. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should be just as strong and evident in the factory and the workshop and the classroom, on the golf course and the ball fields and the kitchen, as if we were in church. You are the light of the world. So let me ask all of us today, how is your saltiness? Still salty? Or has it become so mixed up with a lot of other stuff that it ceased to be useful? How is your light? Is it as evident to everybody on Monday as we make it out to be on Sunday? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus said that, and that is who we are. Salt and light. And my prayer for myself, and my prayer for all of us, is that in a world that is so desperately in need of someone to be a bit of salt, to someone who will be a bit of light, who will help them see things and get things in perspective, who will point them to the Savior. That's what you and I will be because that's who we are. Would you bow with me for a moment, Father? You reminded us that that's not what we ought to be. And that's not what we should be. And that's not what we hope to be. But you said to us, we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. And I pray that somehow you will help us by the power of your spirit to be people who are different so that we can make a difference in our world. That wherever we go, there will be a sense where we, we will be a salt, a light, a help, a blessing 
not just here on Sunday morning, but out there tomorrow and all of our tomorrows. Through us, the very presence of Jesus Christ to be seen. As we open our hearts and allow your Holy Spirit to work within us, salt and light. And Lord, we just echo this morning the, the words of the old hymn, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. And all of his wondrous compassion and purity, O thou Savior divine, all our nature refine, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. And may that be true of all of us today. Salt and light in our desperately needy world, because that is who we are. Way down deep, deeper than the surface, beyond just the talk and beyond just the outward manifestation, we are salt and we are light. Help us by your Spirit to be that. And we'll thank you and somebody out there this week at the store, on the highway, on the job, in the neighborhood, in our family, someone will be glad that we have been salt and light in their life. And when you help us be that, we'll give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Salt, light, great figures, but that's who we are. Would you stand with me, please? Father, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your wonderful presence be with us. And as we go out from this place, may we go in the power of your Spirit. And may your Holy Spirit bless every person here today. Guide us, direct us, use us. Glorify your name and your presence through us. And as you go with us, we go in the power of the Spirit, giving you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.